Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket figure out really valuable turf that no matter how long it takes, you have conviction that you could own that turf or be a top two, top three player or the number one leader of that niche, that it's worth any amount of hard work. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565. And he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show, well, we cut out the fluff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And you know what? This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's right. And it is the weekend. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. Because it's Sunday, we're going to give you a specific skill by the end of this conversation you're going to be able to take this skill and apply it in your business. And we're going to be talking capital raising. How you doing, Richard Wilson? Great. Thanks for having me on, Joe. My pleasure, my friend. Enjoy our conversations thoroughly when we have them. And best ever listeners, if you recognize Richard's name, that's because episode 447, we heard his best real estate investing advice ever. So today, we're going to talk about his five-step system for raising capital. And he's not just talking about it. He's walking the walk. He has a family office. What is your family office called, actually? So I'm CEO of uh, the Miami Family Office. Just uh, themiamifamilyoffice.com. Themiamifamilyoffice.com. And the Miami Family Office oversees $4 billion of family office assets under their advisement. So they are responsible for overseeing $4 billion of family office assets. He's also the host of the podcast, Family Office Podcast. He works with $100 million plus 
families. He's got a community of registered family offices, and he has quarterly live events. And he's also the author of a very good book. It's the number one best-selling book on Amazon and wealth management called The Single Family Office, Creating, Operating, and Managing Investments of Single Family Office. So today, Richard, we're going to be talking about the five-step process for raising capital. But you know what? Before that, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit of context about what is a family office and your background, just to make sure that we're talking apples to apples and we know what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So it's pretty simple. If you're worth $50 million or $100 million, you might not want to walk down the street and walk into a Bank of America and go with some Merrill Lynch off-the-shelf mutual funds and some nice portfolio made up for you already. Most likely, you've made your money through growing something by control, and you took a company public or sold a company. And because of that, people that are worth 50 or $100 million plus like to have two things, usually greater control and customization of how their wealth is managed. And then also, they typically like to have a more holistic approach. You know, if you're just high net worth and you're worth half a million dollars, your insurance agent is probably never talking to your wealth advisor if you have one. And they're probably never talking to one else that's helping you with charitable giving or trust and estate planning. And if you're worth $50 million, you can't afford to make 1% mistakes on not doing things the right way. So it just needs to be done more holistically and typically with more control. And that's what a family office is. It's just a holistic wealth management structure to accomplish those things for the ultra wealthy. Your group has raised over $250 million. So you've got a five-step system for raising capital. How do you want to approach this? What I can do is just rattle off the names of the five steps and maybe we can just take it like one step at a time. And they're all pretty simple. So I'm not going to belabor any one point too much, but feel free to interject and just ask questions if it just seems like something I'm throwing out there doesn't make sense at all or sounds backwards. And we can deep dive into any one of these five steps as you see fit. Love it. Awesome. Okay. So basically, the first step is to analyze. The second step is to position. The third step is to architect. The fourth step is to execute. And the fifth step is to iterate. And so I'll dive right into the first one, analyze. So I think a lot of people come into a space without knowing their competitors really well, without listening to potential investors closely, without knowing what investors are even interested in the thing they want to raise capital for. And many of them don't know, as Ken Welber says in A Brief History of Everything, he's like this philosopher, everything goes through immaturity and then adolescence and immaturity. And many people try to start raising capital and they're still at immaturity or adolescence. And you need to know what's going on to get into adolescence and maturity. And that comes through analysis of your marketplace and the investor sets that are possible. And that's the very first step. So just deep analysis of just knowing what's going on. So you can emulate all the best practices of what the people who are raising the most capital out there are doing, like what you're doing, Joe, with your podcast, what I'm doing with the Family Office Club to attract $100 million net worth families to me. We are people that someone could analyze if they said, hey, I want to figure out how to do this, how to get capital raised. And that's the first step. It's the most simple common sense. Okay, you should look around and figure out, okay, thanks, Richard. It was a waste of two minutes of my life by listening <laughs> to that. And if some people might be thinking, if I just see people rushing into this without doing that, and nothing else I say here is going to mean anything if you don't do it. So I mean, we can just move on to the second step. That was pretty basic, but it would be a disservice if we didn't say it. The second step here is to position. So... My theory on this is that positioning is knowing what you want to stand for. So if you look at the beach in Rio, Brazil, they just had the Olympics during Carnival. There will literally be half a million people or more on the beach 
And if you look at a picture on Google Images of Rio Carnival picture, you'll see there's so many people there. You don't know who the tallest, the youngest, the oldest, the sharpest looking person is there. It's impossible to tell them apart. And if you are a real estate investment manager, or if you are a financial advisor, you are basically positioning yourself on Rio on the beach and asking people, hey, do I look like the guy to trust with your money? Do I look like the person to invest with? And they're just not going to know because you're just saying, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate developer. And you're just generic. And positioning is really defining a sandbox that you want to play in that only has one or two competitors and no more. And hopefully is the top end of a niche or the most profitable, easy to move on, low hanging fruit part of a niche that your competitors might be playing in, but they haven't focused their whole brand on killing it in that niche. And so the best example for this I can give is genuine is just how I've approached my business. You know, we saw in the wealth management niche, we wanted to be raising capital from it. We were stumbling across this word family offices and we looked around and we said, well, there's all these people trying to be the guru of wealth management. There's 500 books written on it, but with family offices, there wasn't a single website on it providing thought leadership. So let's take that top niche of wealth management called family offices and buy familyoffices.com and own that niche long-term. And that's what we did. And that's what we've grown the family office club and familyoffices.com into what it is today through our live events and webinars and like stuff that you do with the podcast. I think that's really important is the, to look and don't try to be everything to everyone, figure out really valuable turf that no matter how long it takes, you have conviction that if you could own that turf or be a top two, top three player or the number one leader of that niche, that it's worth any amount of hard work to do it, even if it takes five to seven years to get there. And ironically, by having that attitude and conviction and long-term greed versus short-term, you actually get there faster and you actually be successful faster because you're all in and your passion and conviction and long-term mindset will come off in ways to others that show. And you're the guy who knows this stuff and you're the guy who's connected, has the off-market deals, has the ability and the focus to really execute and is going to follow through because it's not about just getting the capital raised from Frank. It's about doing that a hundred times over and treating him well. So he'll reinvest 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is positioning. And that is the first meaningful step. It's the second step. And the five steps after analysis is to position yourself, right? I guess before I move on, do you have any questions about that? Or is that also like super straightforward? I think it's straightforward. I think I'm good with that. Cool. Okay. So the next step is to architect. And I think this is the most critical step where a lot of people get lost. A lot of people might have a position or two they think they might want to go after, but if they don't get enough high conviction, they never architect. And even if they get really high conviction, they just go through their life doing old school capital raising, calling through their lead list. Maybe if they want to get fancy, they get a CRM or something like Salesforce or Marketo or Infusionsoft or something. And that's as 2.0 as they get. They're really just doing it the old school way, which is through your network slowly, like through osmosis, which can be like cricket sometimes or watching paint dry or cold calling people who don't want to take your call and don't know who you are, et cetera. And so architecting the sandcastle you're going to build in your sandbox or like architecting your investor funnel, your marketing funnel that's going to attract all the investors to you is really critical. And the way to conceptualize this is that you could go to a lake and stab a spear under the water and hope you get the reflection of the water right as that fish swims by. And you saw one, you try to go after him as fast as you can. Or you can go to where a grizzly bear does like a waterfall as salmon are spawning and they're jumping up literally into your mouth or going to a shallow stream where all the salmon are flowing and you could toss a spear in 
without much effort, just hold your net and they swim right into your net without trying. And that's what positioning and then architecting your position can do is it can bring investors to you. And we are proof of this, of the 90 plus billionaires and single family offices of billionaires that we know we've reached out to one, which was Michael Dell's MSD capital. And every single other one has cold called us and cold emailed us while running the family office club and publishing our single family office book and putting out value in this space. And of the thousand plus family offices we've met with face to face, we've literally reached out to a dozen or two and we've learned just not to, it's just a complete waste of time. Because if you work it right, then the ones approaching you are pre-motivated, qualified, to know what you do, how you do it, the value you're providing to the ecosystem. And just like you, Joey, and podcasting every day on real estate investing, they know that like, hey, I don't care what he was doing five years ago. After doing 800 episodes of running your real estate investing podcast, or hey, Richard, after doing 54 conferences on family offices and writing three books in the space, you're going to know a thing or two. You're well-connected mm-hmm. enough, Joe, that you're going to be getting great deal flow, that you're going to know how to you know, execute deals and you'll have best practices compared to this other guy that has more questionable credibility. And so doing that in a practical way, when we get down to it, really comes to building your investor funnel in my mind. And so at the bottom of the funnel, the thing that happens the least often is that someone puts capital with you and you want to have that happen more often, but it's always going to happen the least often when you look at the funnel in terms of volume. And above that might be meeting with you in person. Maybe you'll have 20 investors coming in a year. Maybe you'll have a hundred, but meeting in person might happen 200 times or 400 times. That might be a one-on-one meeting that's serious about a potential investment or at least getting to know someone so you can show them an investment soon. And that might happen 400, 500 times a year or 200 to 400, depending on who you are. And then the point of the funnel is that each layer above it has more volume. So the top layer could be article writing, blog posts, PR announcements. It could be seen a thousand times a year if you have a small funnel or a million or 20 million times a year. Like Joe, with your podcast, how many times a year is it downloaded? I can do a month, 150,000 a month, whatever that is times 12. Right. So you add that on top of your email newsletter, your website visits, the blog posts you do, your podcast interviews on other people's podcasts, like you're easily at several million a year at the top of your funnel. And the way I see it is that a lot of people will casually consume content like, oh, let's skim this blog post or read this email on my phone. But that next level is really when they download a white paper or when they watch a video on YouTube or something that just takes a little bit more than a casual browsing what the heck is Joe saying or what is Richard Wilson saying about family offices or direct investing? And the level beyond that would be reading a book that you've written and ordering a book on Amazon or listening to a whole hour long speech you gave at a conference on YouTube or something that's really an hour, two hours, multiple hours of their life dedicated to learning more about who you are. And the beauty about architecting one of these funnels, if you do it right and you do it in a way where every episode is evergreen and you're not talking about Trump becoming president, what's going to happen to the real estate markets if that happens, you're really focused on like the fundamentals, the insider insights that are still going to be true 10 years from now in your niche of hospitality investing or multifamily investing or something, then it's really intellectual property building blocks that add up over time. And someone might read an article and then want to meet with you in person and then invest or someone might just read your book, like a $300 million family I represent. He just read my book. He bought my book. He actually didn't read the whole thing. Called me, and six weeks later, I was hired and was under retainer to help create and run his single family office for him and help him with allocating his capital. And that came from direct from book 
a phone call and he signed the agreement without ever meeting in person with me to start with. That just shows how powerful the funnel can work for you and how it needs to be built up in an evergreen way so that you have momentum, even if it takes you three to five years to really build it up into a significant level. I just found this is really critical in getting momentum and raising capital. This is something that like literally we could talk for a full day workshop on just the architect stage. So I guess I'll stop there. I said that you've raised $250 million. I know that you are someone who tracks leads and follows analytics and things. Of those $250 million, what's the top referral source for the individual or entity that makes up the most of that $250 million? I would say there's two things that are the most powerful. I'd say that one is the book. And we've got a couple tricks with the book I'll talk about in a second. And two is the conferences. Those are the two things that drive the most. And the reason why the conferences help is because of that live event. There's so many connections being made. And the most important part about it is to go to an event, whether you have to pay to go to that event or not. But especially if you're paying, then you typically are talking to your wife, your business partner, your team. Is this going to be worth my time? Should I take a whole day to go there? Should I buy my plane ticket to go to this event? So every one person that comes to our event we have several hundred people look at the event page and then every person in the room at a 700 person event that we host in family offices, we know that three, 4,000 people had talked about our family office event. So that's the word of mouth effect that happens from the conferences that leads to us being able to advise on more family assets besides the fact that it is like all the other media assets convinces them that we have access to deal flow and other families introduce them to, et cetera. But the book was created many different tricks for making this work for us. That's really exciting. I think. One is this oversized business card. Every time we meet with someone, we're able to say, we literally wrote the book on XYZ. And when I interviewed Brian Tracy, he said, look, I've written 60 books. Many people hire me just on the title of the book alone. That is the most important thing because you are automatically the expert on that topic if you've written on the book on it. And that was my biggest lesson takeaway from Brian Tracy, who's been like a big mentor hero of mine that I've followed. And the other tricks with the book that I just can't stress enough is just looking at what cities you're trying to raise capital in and what people would be looking for on Google in those cities and spiking the sales of your books in those cities by advertising on Google AdWords and social media for a little bit of a loss leader and getting books sold in those markets. So you seed the markets with more word of mouth about what you're doing in the space. And then when you're asked to speak in places, give away your book to the whole audience and it gets hundreds of people exposed to your brand. And Again, we could go on a whole thing just about leveraging books to raise capital. Like some people probably think I'm obsessed with the strategy, but I just think it's practical, like realistic value to talk about it. So I love bringing it up because most people think like, I'm not a book writer. And that's exactly why it's valuable. Because almost nobody is going to go take the time to actually write a book on their expertise. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a follow-up question on that. And we're running short on time, but I don't want to gloss over this. You mentioned that spiking the sales of the books in areas where you want to raise capital. We walk through that a little bit more just to make sure I'm understanding how that logistically works. How the book works to help us in the capital. Not how the book works, but through the ads that you place in certain areas to help with sales. Is that basically the concept where you're buying Google ads targeted to certain geographic markets and then you get more people in that market to read your book and then in turn, that will bring more investor dollars to you eventually. Is that how it works? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's just playing that long game of like, hey, New York, Miami are key markets for us. So let's spike our book sales in those markets. We'll sell X number naturally and we'll give away Y number at our events. But let's push Z number in these two or three cities. Like if you're in Chicago or you're focused on Dallas and Austin, let's pump hardcore anyone looking for real estate investment advice. Let's pump our book in those cities. And it's a great way to build relationships and not pitching people via the internet. It's a very compliance-friendly way of growing accredited investor relationships, I think. Got it. Okay. All right. And then on the speaking front where you give the book away, I'm actually speaking at a conference next month and the conference, they're actually going to pay to have the book distributed to 200 of the attendees. Have you done something like that as well? Yes, for sure. I just spoke at a real estate event in Portland, Oregon about two months ago and did that exact thing, paid for 400 books to be distributed. But many times if the audience is valuable enough and you've qualified that audience and you know that there's salmon in a barrel or it's in a key demographic or a city you're focusing on, it's definitely worth a $4 print cost or whatever, I think, just to, to give it away for that long-term exposure and word of mouth. All right, let's roll into number four, my friend. Cool. And I'll go fast because we're running short on time. Four is about execution. And these five steps I'm actually laying out in a new capital raising book I'll release over the next two months here. I just got done writing it when I was in India last week. But it goes into depth on basically for execution to actually raise a lot of capital. You need to have systems in place so you can delegate as much as possible because it's so time intensive to raise capital. And you need to have capital raising habits. Every habit, everything you're doing systematically is either helping you or hurting you on raising capital and knowing what your key performance indicators, your KPIs are that you're measuring for your team or your virtual assistant or your secretary and for yourself so that you know tangibly, did you get done what's critical to push the ball forward every single day, every single week, every single month so that it makes it inevitable that you're going to be able to raise capital. So for us, key performance indicators are really critical for our team and everyone reports on them at the start of day and end of day and weekly and monthly. And then we also have a dashboard, and I think you need to have a capital raising dashboard, like what are all the numbers looking like, and what is your one-pager on your capital raising deal-making plan, and just executing in a way that's systematic and KPI dashboard-based, I think is really critical. And again, those ideas are very straightforward, so let me just lump in the last step, iterate with that. So what I've learned is doing this now for about 10 years is that with the Family Office Club, we keep on seeing that the business within our business is the more valuable opportunity. It's like, if you're always looking out for a better use of your time, then just like we iterated on quickly mentally, I'm like, okay, wealth management, really hard to be an expert on something like the stock market or real estate on a very broad scale. When you niche it down from family office to single family office or single family office to let's write a book on how to start a family office, which we did earlier this year. It's the niche within the niche that really hits those people between the eyes as you get to know your marketplace. And just like iterating from finding direct investment deal flow to helping run single family offices, and then we made friends with a billionaire who has pushed us into creating this multifamily lending partners opportunity where we're helping refer cash flowing, you know, multifamily type deals. Like we think that could be a seven figure business for us just leveraging our family office conferences and relationships that we have with people such as yourself. And that seven figure business is going to be so much easier to create than what it was to create our initial seven figures of revenue as an operating business. Mm -hmm. So I think this iterate area really is more than just wise execution. It's looking at like Dan Sullivan concepts, like unique ability and only doing 
what your unique ability is and making sure everyone on your team is just doing their unique ability. And then it's smelling out those niches within niches and going back to that analysis step and that positioning step on how do we not abandon, like Joe, with your best real estate investing advice ever podcast, how do we not abandon that massive momentum that you have with 800 episodes, but also find that niche within the niche so you can leverage all that evergreen content that you already have in place. And then, hey, 200 of those episodes is on this niche topic that happens to be in an area that we want to really define ourselves from the investor standpoint as the guru in that space, you can take the bones from that and build that niche within a niche very quickly that could be worth twice what your original business infrastructure could be worth. And so I just think like Dan Kennedy talks about the worst number in businesses, one, like having one business model, one way of making money, one way of attracting investors. And when you have a nuanced, but like well-planned out multidimensional business, like Gary Vaynerchuk says, you shouldn't be afraid to make your business multidimensional, which I totally agree with then I think you have this competitive advantage in the marketplace that goes beyond just innovation. It's just layers of ways that you're attracting capital and executing deals. And I think these five steps together is what allows us to raise capital and raise our amount of assets being advised on the family offices. And that's what we're trying to communicate in this new book we're coming out with and what I wanted to kind of get across today in the podcast. So sorry, it took a little bit longer than we had planned. No, that's great. And I have a follow-up question on the iterate, because you mentioned the worst number in business is one, only have one way to get investors. And you said the business within the business, but how do you maintain focus, balancing the focus of doing what you're good at versus looking at different businesses within businesses and then just going crazy because you're constantly thinking of new things? One really simple thing is KPIs. So you don't go nuts and you can push stuff down. And when you can systematize something to a checklist, once you know how to do something, and it's a repeatable process, and it has been repeated. It should be documented. And there's a book called Work the System where you just like systematize your whole business and it allows you to push it down, like the e-myth type concept. And we try to have a CEO groomed for each division of our business. You know, like Alyssa on my team is like president of our you know, Wilson Conferences division. CEO is overseeing all of our investment banking and multifamily lending work. Daphne oversees our training division. Jackie oversees our data research division. And that allows me to go to each CEO and say, how are we doing in this business? What are your KPIs? What's the P&L like? And if something is going wrong or right, it falls on their shoulders and they know that and they're carrying that forward. It's like having lieutenants on your team that carry the ball forward in these different areas. And Marion on my team is a new addition and we're grooming her to help manage a new area of our business. So we go through those iterations and there's a lot of messy creativeness in the process, but we're always trying to delegate, systematize, checklist, and systematize stuff just so we can push it down and stay somewhat sane. But just like Virgin and Richard Branson and many billionaires talk about, usually they have one pet project at a time that's 70%, 60% of their energy. Maybe there's a second pet project right behind it that they're grooming. But usually you're not launching four big initiatives that you have equal passion for. Usually it's like, let's kill this one, let's get it up to 40 miles per hour start training the next person and semi-babysit it. And then we'll work on getting the next one from 20 miles per hour up to 50 miles per hour. And that's been critical for us to keep things organized. Where can the best ever listeners learn more about you and get in contact with you, Richard? The best place is to go to familyoffices.com. You can check out our free ebook there. And also we're just about to launch our book, which is just simply going to be called Capital Raising. And we have a capitalraising.com as well. And my email address is just simply richard at 
com, And that's it. So thank you for your time and for your awesome podcast. I've got a big grin on my face. You managed to be able to buy capitalraising.com. <laughs> I did. I did. And uh, <laughs> sometimes we have to, uh, I feel like I've given up an internal organ or two for some of the domain names with purchase, but long-term greed, right? So. <laughs> oh man, that's great. And when is your capital raising book coming out? It's going to be out in October. So the best way to hear about it is just to go to familyoffices.com and get our free ebook. It's literally like a big chunk of our single family office book you mentioned before. And we literally guarantee that if you get the single family office book, which is like 99 cents on Kindle or something really cheap, like five to seven bucks on Amazon, if you don't love it, we'll give you your money back. Cause like we've spent like 700 hours writing it. And we just really care that we add genuine value there. Just like you do with all of your work out there. Richard, thanks so much for being on the show. I mean, my God, the five steps, as you mentioned, analyze, position, architect, execute, iterate, and the lessons that you've learned along the way, especially as it relates to book writing, being a thought leader. As you said, the book's oversized business card and the little tactic that you use to focus on markets where you're at with your conferences to spike the book sales through Google AdWords as well as the iterate process where, as you said, you only have people working on their unique ability and make sure you're working on unique ability. And that's something that you, you quoted someone else. But having that mentality certainly is important. And then, shoot, man, you've raised $250 million. So I think you know the process. And thank you for sharing it with us. Hope you have a best ever weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. You too. Home Warranty of America is a nationwide leader in the home warranty industry offering coverage in all 50 states. Most companies offer 12 months of coverage. Not Home Warranty of America, though. They offer 13 months of coverage. Go get that extra month. Find out more at hwahomewarranty.com. That's hwahomewarranty.com.